Baby, don't worry. Don't worry, Path Girl. I can boost your little booty if I have to. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I can just get my <laughs> finger right in there and go, boost? <laughs> it's, a, it's a professional producer thing, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's called anal boosting. It's kind of like compression <laughs> and limiting. <laughs> when you need your co-host to just jump in there and get excited, you just go, boost? And I go, woohoo! Yeah, and that's, uh, that's kind of like the like and subscribe thing, you know, it just gets you. Gets you a little tangle. You're in the zone. Yes. It's been a it's been a fun, crazy time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Excuse Don't me. Don't die on us. Well, I die. I just you know I've been sick for eight days, but I'm ready to boost. That is. <laughs> That is for sure. I had a really weird, you know, ever have those dreams where they don't stop? Like, I must have had too much caffeine before I went to bed. Mm-hmm. And then you can't sleep because you get in this loop of yep. the oh, same dream. Those. And it was like something about chicken and a measurement of the chicken. And I could not <laughs> proceed without the proper measurement of this fucking chicken. And I couldn't sleep, and I literally woke up, and I'm like, fuck the fucking chicken. And I just <laughs> went back, tried going back to sleep right back into, like, and it was like the periodic table of chicken elements or something. Like, so, you know, completely nonsensical. Of course, it's freaking dream. <laughs> and literally, I'm trying to sleep in the car. I've been sick for a week. I'm in pain. My arms are all fucked up. And I got I'm this sorry. fucking chicken loop happening. This is where I and, need to give someone a boost. And this is what I'm seeing the chicken periodic table in my head of like CL and then you and yeah, then yeah, CK. Yeah, and yeah. Just- yeah, the number one is CL for what? Cluck? <laughs> yeah. Cluck is the most abundant element in the chicken universe. <laughs> and next is what? Like sulfur for the poop? No, I was saying CL and then for cluck, you know, and then you and have it CK and have it spell out cluck. <laughs> you know, there's some nerd that I know would be able to write up the periodic table of chicken elements. <laughs> and it could probably become a whole thing. And who knows? Maybe that was my Rick and Morty jump into a, you know, jump into an alternate universe timeline. And that's what's happening over there. But what's happening Is this here? We're going off on now. <laughs> but what's happening here, Path Girl? Is a perverted podcast episode. Yay! And let us get into that. The following show is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. And because you are responsible for yourself, there won't be another fucking warning. One, two, three, four. Do you feel your sex life is quite lame? Perverted podcast. Scared that your desires might be strange? Perverted podcast. Come and join the kinky world of play. Perverted podcast. Oh boy. Hello and welcome to Perverted Podcast, the show where we explore the adventures of the kinky lifestyle, sex, and the human something mind. And poultry, too. Recording on Zencaster thousands of miles away, thank goodness, because I don't want your germs. I'm Path Girl. <laughs> and I am Count Boogie. So other than that, please tell me that you've had something inside you in the last week. Oh, yes. I've had something inside me. What was it? When Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday, actually. So a couple days ago. Do tell. So 
Do tell. Yes, I finally, finally got together with Donis because our schedules have been just clashing so badly between kids and stuff. But yes, he came over uh, Tuesday night after work and I cooked him a very nice dinner and we watched TV for a while and then he pounced on top of me and we had some nice penetrato, as you put it. Yes. So, and some, some nice, some nice girl with the hair pulling was very, very nice. 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 There was nuts and splooge for all. <laughs> There was a lot of splooge on both ends. As we as we head <laughs> into a, probably about two three weeks. As yeah. we head into a spluge Christmas, <laughs> have yourself a, a very spluge. Yeah, yeah, white Christmas. <laughs> you know, have yourself a very spluge Christmas. <laughs> Ride that jizzy cock. This is how I get rid of the the riffraff listeners, Path Girl. I've yeah, never, they've already clicked off. <laughs> never been good at marketing. Never. I only want the the truest, the truest perverted podcast listeners. So and we, love, we, love. chicken. Well, I'm glad you had. I am sitting. I'm in storage right now, recording, and I am literally being overtaken by an expanding memory foam mattress it's literally growing it's like an eight inch mattress i went into the walmarts this morning and i can't sleep in the car i'm having trouble and i was talking to my dad the other day about god i just need a memory foam a better memory foam mattress and they're really expensive and like this 260 dollar memory foam mattress was 25 bucks oh damn oh yeah oh that makes my jew heart proud i'm so proud of you <laughs> there was literally like 50 of them there it was six in the morning i asked them i go is this a this is misprint and they're like no dude take it and i was like well i grabbed one for me and then i raced back and i got one for the guy at storage that lets me kind of be here and basically hang oh, out all nice. day uh, uh-huh. and record shows and record music and he's really really nice the taxidermy i've talked about him on the show yeah mm-hmm. and uh and he was like oh look at that and i go dude i'll go back and get you one and i raced back and some asshole fucking packed up like 60 of them on a pallet to go oh, resell damn. them and no one could get them and so i was able to finagle one from another place and was able to get it and then uh i just you know that was my christmas present to the guy at storage because he's always so nice to me and he was all stoked yeah so literally two like but they take two days to form oh it's one of those you got unlifted and then it goes yeah like it's it's, yeah it's like it's been (laughs) suctioned nasa suctioned in a box for three years and so it takes like literally two days to unfurl kind of like my Uh penis it doesn't take two days to unfurl. If it does, you need to go see a doctor. Well, both my <laughs> penis and this memory foam have been out of commission for around three years. So <laughs> I'm kind of assuming that when oh. it is, I mean, I've had, you know, every now and again, but but for the yeah. most part, pretty, pretty dry for the last few years. Oh. So I'm thinking it'll probably take about as much, I think. Maybe not 48 hours, but pretty, now I'm depressed. Jeez, I was excited to get a fucking mattress. <laughs> I'm all butthurt. God damn you it. We've a lot it, of show. Right? Let's move on. When sex said from your grandma does not suffice, go to Perverted Podcast for some fucking advice. Before you go any further, make sure to hit like and subscribe. If there's a like button there, it really does help us out. Path Girl, I am very excited that our listeners have yearned 
for our knowledge, for our knowledge and our fucking wisdom. <gasps> and yay! And uh, yes, oh, pervertpodcastgmail.com. Some people have tended to forget that email address, that it actually exists for said purpose of asking questions that we will be more than happy to research and answer for you. And today we have an anonymous. Why don't you go ahead and read our letter from Yawn Anonymous? Yawn Anonymous. Okay. So about a year ago, I finally opened up to my kinky perverted side to my then girlfriend, now fiance. She was more than open to the ropes and a little impact play, but I craved more. I became engulfed with the thoughts and fantasies of what would be exciting to do with her. Through the year, we've encountered our far share of hurdles, but the one that still hit hard is that she says she doesn't have any fantasies or kinks. That in fact, she's done all her exploration earlier in life. I once again felt and feel late to the party and not by seconds by or minutes, but by years. We've been working on growing and bettering ourselves in our relationship, but trying to navigate a winding road of duality, triggers, and barriers has taken a toll. I've started to even not want to try and explore with her and how it says she's best for her. The one thing that keeps the kinkster in me going is listening to you two's fucked up antics and hanging on to the hope that maybe something would ignite in her and her curiosity once more. Ah, Ouch. Oh, this is yeah. this is never this a is pretty topic to address. Of course, no. we're going to be optimistic and hopeful. There are absolutely things that can be done. This is not a complete lost cause situation. There's there's definitely some open windows here in this. It's not a complete shutdown. Mm-hmm. You right. know, they are doing some things. She is willing to do some things, but obviously she's not that's a horrible feeling. Yeah, yeah. That's a horrible feeling when you're really really jazzed about something and the other person's like, "Yeah, no, nah, it's not really my thing, but I guess I'll do it some of it for you if you like that." Yeah, it sounds like the writer is kind of like really new to kink and the fiance is just kind of like over it, like it's like like they've grown past it or or, or out of it. It's just it's it's a really weird spot to be in. I think every one of us has been in it, but it's going to take a lot of com- – you can get through this. It's just going to take a lot of communication to get through it. I, I absolutely agree with you. There's I have a whole – of course, I got super noty on this because it is <laughs> it is something that can be addressed because there's a lot of things that can lead to this. It doesn't mean that this person is out on kink. I mean, because they are willing to do some rope and some some light impact and things like that. Right. So that leads me to believe that there are things that could be more inspired in the relationship. And like you said, obviously building that communication. And I'll get to some of those points in a minute. But the first thing that our our question asker person or some (laughs) fucking advice seeker. Uh, needs to do is allow yourself to mourn the fact that she won't be joining in your excitement for kink at this time. Right. That your, that your exploration is about you and she's a moderately willing participant, but this is not going to be what you want it to be at this time. We may be able to fix some things and inspire some things and do some work that may make it better. But in general, you need to give yourself permission to be sad about that. Yes, 
that that's a that's a hard thing that you have to deal with in the relationship. Huge. Yes, yes. And especially if you haven't been part of a community yet, start plugging into that community because there are so many people that have gone through this where it's just you have one partner who's kinky and one partner who's either doesn't or starts to do it and doesn't want to do it. it. You know, plugging into community, you'll realize you're not alone in this because especially if you're going to start getting sad about it, you might start to dwell and you might start to spin. Um, one of the other things that jumped out at me is that I think he needs, or this person needs to talk with the fiance and basically, why are you not as interested in kink now as you were then? Did you have a bad experience? Is it just something that you've grown out of? Is it something that, and it may yes, even be something, yes. and I've, I had this with my ex-husband, we both did kink separately, but the idea of doing kink with him was absolutely repulsive. I could not put that thought in my head of him dominating me it was just absolutely just disgusting to me and it may just be that well it it may just be that you know the writer wants to do this and like she can't put that person in the role of a dominant or even a switch even just because that's not the type of personality you know right because they're new to it and they don't feel that allowing themselves to be vulnerable to them as a submissive would be to a dominant if that's I, i'm assuming that he's he's wanting to be the top it it seems that that that's uh that's where they're they're at so for her to be able to then and we've heard that from experienced submissives a lot of times that it that they're not into dom training yeah, yeah. and maybe they did that for a while and and blah 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 it is a thing and it is something like you said it's definitely something to find out i absolutely uh appreciate that you brought up the fact that was there bad experiences yeah because that is i mean from anal to kink to a lot of things having a bad experience just literally just puts up a defensive barrier towards Mm -hmm. that and that's something that can absolutely be worked on Right. Absolutely. But uh, the next thing I was going to say, because we're going to start getting into like, okay, how to get her back into it, if it's possible. Ultimately, it may not work out and we'll have to get to those other decisions in a little bit. But what's really important is number one, this is my number one rule. Choose your own damn rule. This is my number one rule on how to get her back into it. Don't push. Yep. Attract. Yes. They are two completely different mm-hmm. things. If you start pushing and you start maybe guilting or you start maybe using language that puts that pressure, that's not sexy. That's not inspiring. That's not interesting. It becomes desperate and you sure the fuck don't look like a dominant when you're pushing because dominance lead, dominance attract, dominance inspire. They don't push. So that and and that's not the that's not the easy road. The easy road in our mind is like I say you do this and then you're instantly wet and you want to obey me. Yeah. But that's not. The long road is is that I have to build myself to a position to where I inspire that dynamic from you. And it may take longer, but I promise you. I promise you the likelihood that being aggressive and pushy is not is not going to turn her on and want get her to want to be submissive to you. Yeah, it's going to push her away even more. 
it's about creating that environment. I've talked about this. I, that's, that's my favorite go-to. Create an environment. You got to create an environment in your relationship that inspires her, just like you said before, that you have to be able to picture somebody in that position, which means that you need to start doing that work on yourself. To where, and it doesn't mean that you all of a sudden start lifting heavier garbage bags when you go out to the, you know, take out the trash. It means that you start investing in yourself to learn how to build your own confidence and not just in kink, but in all your day to day activities. How do you address your job? How do you address your hobbies, your services to people? Are you somebody that attacks those things with a level of, confidence and inspiration because that's something that inspires people to want to follow you yeah and one of the other things that jumped out at me is when he or i'm assuming we're assuming it's he i keep referring to as he but it may be maybe a she that um that the fiance didn't have any does have any uh, kinks or fantasies and stuff and to me that rang a little bell in my head about how's the sex life going? I mean, the vanilla sex, is it a very connective sex? Is it just kind of like mundane? Because she might be, we don't know how old she is or what, what's going on in her life. There may be something medically going on with her libido that it's just like, ugh, I don't even want to have sex, let alone do kink. So it may be something, you know, it may not be, but there's a lot of people that struggle with libido and even psychological stuff where it's just, they're just not in the mindset to do sex or kink. So it might be something just kind of like, are you okay in that department? And that's male and female. And that, and that's something that can, can be addressed as well. And that of course, yeah. if, if there are your problems, you can see your doctor and, and try to find right. remedies for that. Um, in this case, he's very fortunate because there are some things that she is into and, and she's okay with some of the non-physical and we're going to do an entire segment on that in a a little bit. Uh, We're going to talk about mental BDSM and that is definitely a road to getting back into that submissive power exchange headspace. It, It may just be, you know, kind of move away from the physical aspects of your kink and get into the rituals, the kneeling, the bowing, um, some power dynamic role play, um, teacher, student, you know, role plays that are fun that you put yourself in that position and have little challenges uh, for her to follow. Those are things that really work well and don't require any pain or physicality. Yeah. And I think also one of the things that the writer has to realize is that if it does come down to that the the fiance doesn't want to do kink, there's a difference between not wanting to do kink with you or not wanting to do kink at all. And I think a lot of people internalize that where it's just like, oh, they don't want to be kinky with me. There must be something wrong with me. And it's like, no, they may not be kinky at all. But if you can start with small steps and just working on your own self-confidence, and especially if you're new to kink, it's always great to maybe go to a kink therapist. I, I have a kink therapist that I check in with a couple of, every couple of weeks So on my life, and it's just we all have our struggles. So if you could start working, like you said previously, working on yourself and building up that confidence and building up, you know, that might attract her into being more kinky. Sure. Continue to, you know, as we said before, continue Improving the connection in in the relationship, the safety, the partnership, the respect, the validation of each other's feelings, the that communication is what builds more intimacy. Are there other areas of your relationship? You said there's been some ups and downs and struggles. 
are there other aspects of your relationship that have been lacking in intimacy in that kind of connection with each other? Yes. That is a killer of all things, not just your kink and your sexuality. So maybe check in with each other on does she feel safe talking to you about things? Does she feel safe uh, expressing those vulnerabilities to you? Does she believe that you're strong enough to handle those and not judge her or push? Yeah, I've actually, there's an exercise that um, I came across on one kink website where uh, leaving a journal on a bed, like you could write to her a question about like, what do you think about rope or just any, anything kinky? And it's just main, maybe even if it's not doing it in a person, just writing it down and asking questions back and forth or have feelings. Like when you ask me to do impact play, it kind of pushes my buttons, whatever. And you can answer each other back and forth. And then it's a great jumping off point for a discussion. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a fan. That's a fantastic idea. Um, if she's willing to do some kink with you, own that. Own that kink. If all she's willing to do is let you do a little bit of spanking, a little bit of bondage, then God damn it. You're kinky. <laughs> here, it's kink. You know, you're, you're, you know, you don't, it's not a contest. It's not a competition. Yeah. Allow that to, to build and enjoy yourself. Enjoy what you can do with your partner and be creative with her non kink interests. Mm-hmm. I know you're all into the kink you're that you're excited about that. She may be excited about other things in her life. And if you can show an equal interest right. in that and a validation of those interests in her life, then that can maybe inspire some reciprocation to the things that you're excited about. I've actually been struggling with this with uh, Donis for pretty much our relationship where he's definitely not as kinky as I, I am. And He's not as kinky as other partners that I've had and um, kind of going the way of, all right, well, if you're working with her and she's not going to be comfortable doing more than that, obviously we've talked about in the show about possibly opening up in a relationship and having play partners. But um, with Donis, he only does a small amount of kink. He's definitely not as into it as my previous partner's. And I also have not been pushing. I've just been kind of leading by example and just kind of talking with him about different things and going to different different kinky events. But you may want to look into if you guys are settled enough in your relationship and you feel like you can do the commitment of maybe having a play partner and just have somebody that you can do kink with and have everything out in the open. And maybe if she feels comfortable coming with you to the dungeon and watching you do a scene with somebody. Oh, I still play with Don. And, and yeah, you know, that's I mean, the funny thing. That's one Don? thing I talked about in therapy when I was single. And it was like, I was struggling to find a happy medium of somebody who was kinky and a really good relationship. I'd find really good kink and the relationship sucked. I find a really good relationship and the kink would go to the wayside. And, and it's just, I even said to her, I was like, if I can find a really great loving relationship with somebody where the sex is good, and then I can have the kink part filled by a play partner, I would really have the best of both worlds. And I realize. I'm really, truly blessed to have Donis and Doc balance each other out where it's just, I'm not sexual with Doc, but we have an amazing kinky relationship. And I absolutely love Donis to death. And we do a small amount of kink, but it's definitely not as much as I'm used to. So I get a nice balance between the two, but I have to understand that they are, they are different relationships and there are boundaries that are drawn. And I'm completely open with Donis about everything. Most of the time he's there when I do stuff with Doc, but 
just tread lightly if you're going to start going into play partner territory because that can bring up issues of jealousy and insecurities and stuff. And it's just, you know, just really small, small steps. I think that's fantastic advice. And I think the important thing that you stated is, is you have to do what works best for you and your dynamic. Uh, there doesn't have to be sex. There doesn't have to be kissing. There doesn't have to be, you can be fully clothed. You can negotiate whatever you need to with your partner so that everyone's comfortable in that negotiation. Ultimately, if that doesn't work and there's now I'm going to be the bummer. If, if, if it doesn't work and they're just not kinky and that desire in you is so strong that it, cannot be satiated by just a healthy, positive, non-kink relationship with that person, you have other decisions to make. You have to decide if that relationship is right for you. If you can balance out and say, you know what, Uh, kink's not that really big of a deal for me. Well, then if that relationship is very satisfying in a hundred other ways, then you give up the kink. You don't even really have to... You really don't even have to give up the kink. I mean, for a while, my my previous boyfriend, I considered myself, there's a term that's called kink adjacent, where like I was reading, I was going to kinky events. I was, you know, talking, listening to podcasts and stuff. And it's just like, I was immersed in the kink lifestyle, but I wasn't actively practicing kink. I kind of yeah, but it that's, like, that, I totally understand that. Yeah. But you're not, you're not getting what you fucking want. Well, true. You're, true. you get to go watch a bunch of people do what you fucking want to do. And if that eats you inside. If you can yeah. do that and just be like, oh, I just want to hang out with kinky people and mm-hmm. feel like I'm supportive and have compersion for fucking total strangers doing what I wish I could be doing. Hey, man, my hat's off to you. Yeah. I can't do that. And and a lot of people can't. But, you know, you have to make work for you what works for you. And And my hope is, is that using some of our magical fucking advice they can uh, maybe work their way back to finding that happy medium. And if not, then that's just, you know, relationships are, are never guaranteed. <clears throat> Great question. Fantastic question. We haven't tackled that in a while. And, and, and I, sh- my heart surely goes out for this situation. It does sound like there's a lot of potential for growth and some things improving. And hopefully that helps you in some way. Yeah, I really hope it does help. And just, just, just keep small steps. That's all we can say. Kinky news is sometimes cool and sometimes fucked up. Let's glory hold the planet right now with Enigma. Yeah. Enigma, you have a chance to save my life right now. I do, Pookie. You do. My life is in your hands. Okay. Okay. Surely my psychology, surely my yearning to live in this world. <laughs> it's all on you, Enigma. All on me. Okay. It's all, I got the rope here. I got it. I'm ready to just, <laughs> I'm ready. I just need to know that at least someone I care about is having some shenanigans. Do mm-hmm. you have a potato mayhem for us? I have... So much potato mayhem. Boogie. Oh, my God. I get to live another day. Please tell okay. us about your fun. Uh, so let's see. What was today? Um, at the beginning of the month, um, uh, it was two parties at the same house. Uh, on, on Wednesday, I, uh, uh, you know, it was chatting. I was, this particular place does, uh, 
they have a big pool and so be, there's lots of skinny dipping always um but this particular nice. one um ended up with uh me a girl and another guy with the girl in the between us and and us just kind of like there's there's no sex allowed in the pool but like shenanigans are and so we were like making out and teasing her and edging and all that sort of stuff and that oh, was wow. just wow it was very nice um i knew the girl didn't know the guy so that was an interesting i've never done that i've never done that trio before right um but yeah so that was that was really fun and exciting and then later that weekend there was another party same house um that one ended up with in the same pool kind of the same area of the pool um but with you got me. your go-to i mean yeah yeah it's, shenanigan it's, it's, corner near the deep end but not totally in the deep end it's actually the shallow end so you can get to all the bits a little easier ah, fair um enough. Fair, but yeah that one ended up with um me this was uh, me and two um two w- women and one of them was in the middle and I was like biting and teasing them. And then the other one who, again, I don't know how this keep in, this kept going this way, but I didn't know the other person, but they were very, very cute. And, um, I ended up like uh, playing with their hair. Cause they started like scratching my arm with their, with their nails, which if you've been listening to the show, you know, that turns me into a, you know, that is, that is enigma over the moon. Stuff. Yes. Um, and so started turning my attention a little towards them and um eventually i was like can i play with your hair and they were like yes please and so i did and then they made really cute faces when i started like teasingly pulling their hair and so i kept doing that um and now i now i follow them on social media um hopefully we will re-engage at some point in the future I tease you and get you hot in a pool and now I follow you on social media. It's almost like a marriage. It's like the Gen <laughs> Z marriage now. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's getting there. It, this, the, this was just the proposal. This is just the proposal where we're getting there. Um let's see. And then the following week I did a fire scene with a with a friend. Nice. Uh, no cupping, it was just like fleshing and playing with that. We had a little um, a little flare up because I, I let some pool on the stomach a little bit, mm. um, but no, no injuries. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, we're done. Um, but we right, had a right, lot right. of fun, and I'd been like covering them with fire and wiping it off, and I was like, it was just super, super hot, super fun. Um, and then what else was that? Oh, also at that same party with the two girls earlier that night, I had ended up. Or I was I did an impact scene with somebody else, and um, Jesus, beat them. you're an animal. <laughs> yeah, and I ended up with a pool with two other people. While the person I beat up, uh, we don't really have like a romantic uh, relationship going on, so they ended up with somebody else and doing like shenanigans at the other end of the pool. Um, so yeah, it was it was a very eventful like two weeks at the beginning of November. <laughs> Well, that's cool. You had some fun, man. Okay, fine. I won't kill myself. Enigma. Enigma lived my my kinky dreams for me. While I hold <laughs> down the fort here in Unit D twenty two, North Hollywood Storage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that's uh, that is sounds like a lot of fun. Very glad that you had some fun, and uh, you should keep that up. 
I I hopefully uh, I hopefully will be keeping that up for as long as I can. Well, now we have this topic. We've covered a lot of stuff in 367 mm-hmm. episodes, but we have never discussed this next kink, and I am very excited about it because it's very fun. It's not necessarily my kink, but it is. It, it from a sci-fi point of view. It is mm-hmm. definitely uh, something that I'm attracted to. Yeah, for sure, and yeah, like I, I, I agree. Like when I when I came across the article, um, it was definitely something. It was like I'm not into this, but like I think it's a really fascinating thing to talk about, and it's something that um, I think some people might be like curious to try because again, it, it's not something that I, I. It's one of those fetishes that doesn't really get talked about a lot, but I think it's more. People are more interested in it than maybe they they know about. So talking about it will hopefully, you know, normalize it a little bit. Well, let's dig into it. What is said topic of newness? So our article comes from EricaLess.com. We've used them several times. And the article is called, What is Giantess Fetish? And what's it like to have macrophilia? So you get two words in this article um, that you may not have known. This was written by Mei Ling. And you can find this on our website or you can find it on our FetLife uh, group. So we see it in a lot of movies. The idea of being a helpless human, unable to stop some massive giant must monster. Godzilla or King Kong could do whatever they want. And us feeble humans are unable to stop them. What would you do to be spared by the giant? Beg for mercy only to be blown away by the sneeze of, from the giant? <laughs> That's some King Kong shit right there. Right. And uh, what if this giant was a woman, a a goddess to be worshipped? But you must worship a goddess that's over a thousand times larger than you. It's a completely different kind of worship. Every pore, every nipple, every orifice. So massive you could lose yourself to them. These giantesses come in evil torturers or ones that simply want to play and treasure their little pet. So maybe you've heard of this, been wanting to play in this world. So, well, this article gives a few tips on how to get started. Um, the the dom, the dom, or dame, or whoever is going to be on top, can wear smaller clothes too tight because of their uh, their immense size. Um, like they've like kind of in, like enlarged growing. themselves. Yeah, like like Hulk style, She Hulk style. For sure. Um, sure. Uh, you can use props like toy cities. Like you can like they actually make those for like kids' rooms and such. Um, where you can actually get those to watch your goddess or god destroy a whole town before they come and destroy that ass. Wow. Um, mm-hmm, I went there. Um, and you can even make, or order, because uh, as a haunt person, I know they actually make these, um, edible human pieces to eat in front of your sub. <laughs> for, n- for real. It's so weird. Um, for edge of your play, you can tie them down and play uh, a little bit with knife play, taking out these per- these you know pre-made edible organs to eat while your subject is alive. And you can actually find edible uh, or ingestible um, blood if you wanted to play with that aspect of it. Um, and yes, we do play in this realm of fantasy. So why don't why, why don't you allow your mind to grow and expand or shrink depending on where your passion lies? Huh. <sighs> It was a fun article to read. Like, I didn't know that the writer was the top. Um, mm-hmm. But all I know is if you read, and we'll post the article on uh, somewhere. Where do we post it? On our FetLife page or something? On, on the FetLife group, yeah. Okay, great. But 
I was like, wow, whoever wrote this is totally fucking into this. Oh, 100%. Like, they were, like, down. Like, they got that entire genre. And then to find out that that was the top and that, you know, she does, uh, you know, she's dominatrix as well. And so mm-hmm. I guess she has clients that do that as well. I'm like, oh, that would explain some of the expertise <laughs> in this. Now, me, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, attack of the 50 foot woman, like all those cool retro sci fi things. But uh, but of course, Godzilla, King Kong, Cyclops, and then all the sci fi's that fought each other in that that feeling of like maybe not even uh, sexual, but just how would you befriend this giant creature to not kill you? Right. Like that was when I was a kid, it was always like, how can I show Godzilla that I'm like down, you know, <laughs> like, hey, bro, like, because there was always like the kid, you know, that Godzilla's like, Rrr! and the kid's like, hey, Godzilla, and they're like, Rrr! and then it doesn't like, like fucking squish that kid. Right. And I always wanted to be that kid that had the big buddy. And maybe it was because I felt, you know, don't get all butter it. But it was, you know, I was very powerless as a kid and, and whatever. So maybe I wanted that big friend. Mm-hmm. And then that, for some people, maybe transfers later in life where they just want that big protector. Right. And I think that's a, you have like these lar- larger than life creatures that you just want, you just want to like be a part of. Like I, I, it's, it's, it's that, like it's the same thing or it's a similar thing of like um, you you see something on, on as a kid and you want to grow up to be that thing. And you want to be, you, you want to be a part of that world. And so being, uh, being a buddy with that, with this big giant, massive, whatever. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's something that's normal. And I think that's why, I think that's where a lot of our fetishes and our kink kind of ultimately come from is from wanting, wanting to be a part of this thing. And then finding out that it's actually really hot when you're a part of that thing. Now then, cause Let's. I like the psychology of this because that's what I try to think. Like, mm-hmm. what are what are people really getting out of it? And so I could surely understand on a plutonic level that feeling of like, hey, now I have this big giant friend. That sure, I got to be very careful that that fucking Godzilla doesn't step on me. Um, but he'll fuck up all my enemies, and I can feel you know like I at least have you know a friend, but. We hear a lot of women talk. I've heard a lot of women talk about because I'm a bigger guy, you know, not just fat, but I'm, you know, you know, taller. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of women are like, I like to be with a bigger man to kind of feel protected to, you know, to feel. And then some go, obviously, in the DDLG. Um, there's some that are like, well, it makes me feel little like Mew used to say that. I like the fact that you're a big, giant, fat guy. Because you make me feel very little, and mm-hmm. that to her is a very and I and it was a very comforting space for her. And then, of course, you know, you know, sexually, it was that whole I was like King Kong taking right. taking this little person. No, I, I think that's that's something that that sounds like that sounds really hot. <laughs> <laughs> now then, let me ask you a question, and we're just okay. gonna because we were I'm not you know this is a new topic for us to go through so i always try to think of something i couldn't think of so Mm -hmm. now we're talking about men that are attracted to giant women and we have Mm -hmm. seen this in in open female supremacy um you often see a shorter guy you know with a 
you know, a Amazonian uh, dame. And mm-hmm. and that's a female supremacy situation where they really just love that protective feeling. But now go with me on this. This could get messy. Okay. So now that's for op men who are okay. They're like, hey, I'm a submissive male and I love female supremacy and I love the fact that she's a little bit taller than me and I, I love that. But our social programming is like the man must be bigger than the woman and mm-hmm. must be taller. And that's why so many dudes are hung up when their you know chick is about the same height and then she wears heels and they get all fucking crazy and butthurt because they're taller than her. So do you think that some men maybe have a secret fetish about a giant woman, but in their mind, they have to make her so giant that she's bigger than everyone so it doesn't emasculate him to be able to fetishize her. Oh yeah. I think I, I, I think that can definitely be where it comes from. It's but I, I think we can also relate that to people um in the in it's kind of a more negative light where people kind of get very maybe um like anti gay, anti all of that because like they're they've repressed so much of that side of them that they they have no other way to express that other than in like that hateful way right you have this this version of it where it's like yes there may be a maybe they have some like misgivings or some issues about their own height and so if they have to interact with somebody who's bigger or taller than them especially if someone is like you know they've been indoctrinated to to feel that you know women are submissive and all of that i think putting them in that that extreme sense i think that can 100 percent translate into turning that into a kink because that's what makes sense it's like oh if they're so big that it just it it is ridiculous okay that's okay but this person who's maybe an inch or two taller than me that gives me that definitely messes with my head and makes it makes it okay yeah yeah it makes it okay yeah yeah are you um just so we can uh take our own poll how do you feel about women that are taller than you? Do you have a problem dating women that are taller than you? Or if they wear heels and then they go catastrophically taller than you? No, I think that's fucking hot. Do you think it's hot? I think it's fucking hot. Like, uh, I, I, uh, so I, I, I can't really say that, you know, I don't have like a physical type, but like, I, I do like, you know, you know, taking the, the, the small thing and breaking them. And that's all, that's super fun. Right. But like the, the idea of, Either being the top for a t- super tall person—that's super fun. I've done that. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's super exciting, but also like being being taken by like a shorter person, but also being taken by a taller person. Like that's just—I don't know—being overpowered like by that size difference. I think is that, that that definitely plays with my switch side pretty well. Okay, very good. See, you're such a whore. You are so I, flexible. I, <laughs> I, I I prefer slut. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, slut. But yes. Yeah, thank you. Um, You're definitely yes. flexible, and you get to have a lot of fun. You get to, <laughs> like, whenever there's a fucking kink famine, you will find a way to get some kink because you, <laughs> you it's like when the, when the ship is rolled out and the, the winds mm-hmm. blow through dusty, you are mm-hmm. able to find some way to get off in your kink. And I goddamn admire that. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I know I'm kind of in the middle, like it doesn't okay. necessarily bother me that much. Um, maybe a little, um, I've dated women that are taller than me 
Um, we haven't gone out a lot. I don't go out a lot, so I don't know how that would necessarily feel. Um, maybe it would make me feel a little uncomfortable. But my mm-hmm. kind of point of view is when I bend her over and fuck her, she's going to be shorter than me. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't really matter if she's like seven mm-hmm. five, you know. But uh, no, it's it's definitely hot. Um, I think if moving into like the practical applications we talked about, you know, all the gore. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even consider like the eating of of people in this mm-hmm. uh you know in this thing but yes i guess that's absolutely it also if you're if this is something that you're excited about it wouldn't be a bad idea to learn some basic photoshop skills oh for sure because you could have so much fun if you knew how to edit in layers because i mean there's the, there's, there's whole like only fans dedicated to this where like you have these these women these people like putting themselves into these these images where they are overtaking a city they have like they someone like sends them their picture and so they take the man's picture and put it in their hand as if the man is tiny yeah like that that that, yeah there's whole only fans there's whole porn hub subsections dedicated to this yeah wow that see that is fun and it's not that hard to do you know because then you could have especially even if it's your partner that you could have them you know, stand and just, you know, lift in a, in a room that doesn't have a lot of colors all over the place and stuff to cut out. Like you could literally, mm-hmm. you know, have them like, ah, like they're about to crush the city. And then you can literally go online and get any cityscape or volcano, the grand mm-hmm. Canyon, anything. And then just, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that it really sounds like a fun fetish. Oh, it, it's, it's totally fun. Like, uh, in a, in a different direction, um, but I, more in the, the Vore side of things, which I think we've talked about before. Um, but Vore is when, is the, the idea of like eating, um, eating another person, but like in a sort of sexual way. Right. Um, the, this guy, he, he has a fetish for kind of like cooking and preparing women as, 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 as if they're going to be dinner. And so like, he set up like a whole photo studio where he built oversized, an oversized oven and an oversized, um, like basting pan and an oversized all of that, and like it's it, like he does photo shoots and they're, like they're really good pictures. But like he, he just made and it, he's he's very upfront with all of the people he shoots with. Like this is my this is my fetish. This is what um, like it, nothing sexual necessarily happens, but he just likes putting women in these situations where it looks like they are being or about to be like cooked and and about to be fed. So like making your own little playroom whatever it needs to be I, is is a hundred percent doable um and i think i think that's definitely like if you have a spare room that you can kind of literally spare to like turn into this this fun little like you know little uh playroom i think i think that's something that you should definitely try to look into i surely think that building your own playroom in your your place or having enough money to have an extra room in your place to build your own dungeon playroom art studio whatever is surely a better investment than a sixty eighty thousand dollar car you know that's just 60, my opinion that's my opinion and it, it, and it doesn't even have to be like a permanent thing like you can um on amazon you can get some like cheap curtains 
uh, or uh, uh, not curtains, but like backdrop stands or whatever, and set and just have those in a closet. And when y'all want to want to play, you can take over whatever space, right. set those things up to turn it into your playroom. Like that, that, there's there's different levels of you know cost for for if you want to get into the scene, and maybe you don't like me. I live in a studio apartment, so if I if I wanted to get into that into the that world and make that space like i i, I <laughs> have, have to, to make do it my in the shower <laughs> yeah yeah you know, like, the entire I, I have... studio in your shower <laughs> uh but yeah like y- y- you could you can make do with your space but I, I i definitely think if if you're able to you should definitely um put, invest a little bit so you, you can you can play around in a space that fits the fits the vibe a little bit more i totally agree enigma this has been a lot of fun talking about this. You're going to come back in a couple of weeks. We're going to yabber about some more stuff. Congratulations Yay. on all your kinky shenaniganry. If our well, uh, perverted podcast listeners want to uh, find us, where would they go? Ah, well, they could find us on the social medias on Twitter and Instagram. Um, on Instagram, search for perverted podcast. On Twitter, search for perverted pcast. And if you want to find us on FetLife, like we said earlier, there's both a group and a page. Just search perverted podcast. Suck on my man nipples. You're gonna get an earful. Post topics better than sodomizing a werewolf. <laughs> oh, but wait, Path Girl, there's more. <gasps> there's more. There's more, more fun, more perverted <laughs> podcast magic. There was something I don't, you weren't around uh, when I started doing it because this was very early in the podcast, like probably in the first six months of having the podcast where I had all these delusions of grandeur that by now we would have <laughs> hundreds of thousands of listeners. Yeah. And so I felt that that was really marketable to promoting myself in other groups. And I had reached out to all of these big fat life groups and said, Hey, let's partner up, you know, and uh, you know, we'll talk about you and we'll post you in our things. And, and you post us in a sticky note and say, you're partnered with us. And that way your listeners can have access to us and, and vice versa. And I got a few of these groups to do this. Okay. And then over time, um, we kind of lost contact and I think most of them took us off their sticky notes. Well, apparently path girl, there is one group, which we haven't talked about, which is one of my favorite groups, uh, mental BDSM on the fat life still has us in the sticky note. And I just happened to, I just happened to be there and somebody had made a comment on the sticky note and said, Hey, you know, uh, what about this, 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 and had a question for us about different, you know, like what does all these things mean to us doing a segment on mental BDSM, which we kind of haven't done in a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I got all excited. <laughs> and I'm like, mental BDSM has yes. once again delivered from far away <laughs> the inspiration <laughs> to do a segment about them. So first off, if you are uh, on the Fet Lifes, you can go, well, you can go to FetLife.com slash group slash 459 question mark SP <laughs> equals sign two. Or you could just click on groups and type in mental BDSM and it's the one that has like 60,000 uh, followers. <laughs> or how about I put a link up later to the group? Ta-da! We'll put a link up. We'll put a link up to our friends and mints. And it really is great. And let's let's just dig into some of the basics because obviously we yeah. could do a hundred shows. Mental BDSM is literally 
the entire psychology. I'll just read my little blurb thing uh-huh. that I read because I wrote a blurb. So I got to read my blurb because I wrote it. Mental play or mental BDSM is the non-physical contact that creates the psychological environment for emotional arousal, fear, tension, and or power exchange. It is a way to set the headspace prior to physical play by using tasks and rituals to get both the dominant and submissive out of their daily life and into intimacy and connection with their partner. FYI, intimacy does not always mean romantic and or sexual. But if you are in someone's head or letting someone control your head, that is pretty fucking intimate. Yeah. Oh, very intimate. So the mental BDSM is pretty much everything that we do on the psychological side. Right. And there are plenty of people that do mental BDSM and they don't do any physical or they don't have sex associated with it. Sometimes it's just t- have, letting somebody be controlled or controlling somebody, you know, with, like you said, with rituals and commands and things like that. Yeah. Or you're having actual dynamic relationships where you have a master slave or a dominant submissive power dynamic where these people are in service to you, which is a mental contract. That can be a 24-7 mental contract, and sometimes that includes sex and uh, emotional connection. And sometimes it is literally, like you said, it's just about the service and the tasks. Mm. So I wanted to go through some of the basics. Okay. You know, because there's, there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's once again, we're going to try to go through just some of the basics in a few minutes. Go to Mental BDSM Fat Life page and get immersed in these discussions because there's a lot of great discussions on that FetLife group. But some of the basics, like if you're talking about mental BDSM in prep, you would be talking about things like kneeling, putting on cuffs and collars, basic rituals, kneel here, say certain things that get you into the headspace, tasks, service, training. Those are some of the things that get you like into that headspace because when you when you're going into a play scene, you're obviously coming from somewhere in your life. You're coming from work. You're coming from family. You're coming from other responsibilities, chaos, traffic, whatever. And you're not ready to get into that play. And that is where some of these basic mental rituals bring you into that headspace. Yeah. I mean, for me over the years, I've had different rituals where I had one dominant where um, I didn't, I wasn't collared to him, but when he would come over, I had a play collar I put on and that would get me more in a submissive headspace. And then when he would leave, I'd take that collar off. Or if I was worried about dropping or missing him, I would say, do I have permission to leave that collar on? And then I would ask permission to take it off. But um, there are plenty of times, even, you know, music will set the mental mind space of like a more submissive headspace where it's like, I'm getting ready to do a scene, even though nobody's touching me yet. I have that mindset of, okay, I'm ready to start. So when you wore the collar, if I can ask, what was it about the collar that put you in that headspace? What was the effect? It was the ownership quality of it, where it was just basically for the time I had that collar on, I was his, um, I would, you know, we had our own rituals. Like I'd always bring him coffee in bed or I would cook dinner and things like that. But it'd be, there'd be other times where it's just like that collar to me was a signal of he's got, and, and granted we were, when 
when that collar was on, it was pretty much 24 seven and open for sex at any time. So basically he could do whatever he wanted that was negotiated between the two of us. So if he wanted to grab me by the hair and shove me down on his cock, I can, he would do that. And it was just, it, it was just that mental remind, even when I catch myself in the mirror, it was that mental reminder of, oh, he's here. Okay. And I have to follow what he says. So it was basically just an artifact, but the symbolism, so there was symbolism surrounding that artifact. And when you felt it against your neck, it reminded you on a continuous basis to kind of let go. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, even there'd be times where I can be very bratty and it's just, there'd be times like I'd feel it kind of wiggling on my neck and it's like, uh, you're pushing buttons here. You need to back down. <laughs> from the, from the top standpoint too, because I've done a lot of cuffs and collars, a lot. I have 800 pairs of cuffs and collars and, and that was something that was done on a, on a very regular basis, uh, in, in my world with my partners and especially when we had groups of partners that everyone would come in. I had like five different pairs of cuffs and everyone had their color cuff that they liked. And from my point of view, seeing those as we go through our day, as we do our things, and there was a lot of DDLG and a lot of, you know, a lot of events and fun and things like that. But me constantly seeing those cuffs and collars kept me in the headspace. It kept me understanding that I put those on them. I have a responsibility. I have to be aware. I have to be attentive. I have to look around the situation and see what can happen because they have given me that trust to control what's going on. And so that for me, I the cuffs and collars weren't just for the submissive. They were for me as well. Because they were a constant reminder visually to see that when I grab them by the collar or I put my finger in the in the loop around the neck and I pulled them in and, you know, give them a kiss or, you know, or said something dirty or, you know, any other fucking thousand perverted things that we do uh, when we grab someone that really it 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 really boosted me into that headspace. So it wasn't just for them when they kneeled. It was the same thing. If I had someone kneel or do a ritual or perform a task, it it lifted me in my headspace to know that not only was I in control, but that they were they were going along with it. Does that make sense? I could definitely see that. Yeah. No, no, that makes perfect sense because, like, like I mean, I definitely identify with that. Where it's just like, as long as this collar is on my neck, I am your property. I you I understand that you're going to take care of me. But at the same time, it's my job to take care of you as a submissive to do everything we've negotiated. Sure, sure. Another type, jumping in, other type of mental BDSM would be role plays, cosplay, fantasy. And that's where you're actually taking on a character and you're acting out a certain type of role play. Some role plays can last days and some can just last for the time of a play scene. You know, oh, I'm going to be the authority or we're going to do an interrogation scene. We'll talk about that in a second because those are fun. Um but when you take on that character, there's usually a dynamic built into that character where that exchange is, is there. Like, even if I'm the werewolf and she's Little Red Riding Hood, there's still a power dynamic in that character. So you right. adapt your character to that dynamic. And that can be a lot of fun. And however you do it, whether it's teacher, student or military officer, recruit or, you know, principal, 
dean student that needs to pa- oh, hey, i'm getting all turned on now. <laughs> well i was just even thinking about with the werewolf i think i said previously that you know i had one of my doms that i like i i always had like a monster as my dom so i would think about like in the back of my head that monster kind of stalking me and here's where you can even fill into like you don't you don't have to do the physical stuff but you can send a text message like the wolf stalking you He's creeping up on you and just like, oh, fuck, that's hot. <laughs> nice. You're always looking over that shoulder. Yeah. You're always looking that shoulder. And there's so, literally this list is so long. Yeah. I don't want to get into too much because uh, oh, I just I, I love this. I, I think people uh, need to realize that you can do mental BDSM, whether you're in a power exchange or not, or whether you're just doing a, a scene, but it's just it's taking the physical completely out of it. And you can do, it's a simple thing as either, you know, ordering your submissive not to come. That's mental BDSM where it's just basically like you can't orgasm until you ask permission. And kind of a dick move, which is fun. Uh, or or edging them and, and you basically you know say, you're going to keep coming until I, I say stop and oh fuck okay <laughs> yes oh that's good it's good which goes into mind fucking is definitely in the mind fucking yeah. uh, aspect of mental BDSM which is like blindfolding them them not knowing what's coming I used to uh, fear play uh where you like, you know, I used to do constant stuff like that, where you start talking real cryptic, like you don't know what's coming and you start, you build and you, you see that anxiousness and that tension building them while you're playing with them. And then you get real quiet for a second and then fucking smack the shit out of the table with a big leather paddle. And then like, just, ah, they fucking jump and, you know, stuff like that. And that's like that mind fucking where you're, constantly keeping them off balance because at the end of that they're so exhausted from that being kept off balance that they become completely submissive to you and they're like fine do whatever you want i can't win (laughs) you're just gonna fuck with me anyway you might as well just take me (laughs) that's when it gets fun do you like being blindfolded I have not been blindfolded in a long time. Um, I do like it. I just don't do it that often. I mean, a lot of times when I play, I even close my eyes anyway. Because it's just like I usually have music on and I'm concentrating in the music and that kind of keeps me in the headspace. But um, yeah, I mostly keep my eyes eyes closed when I play unless, you know, my, my, my top or my dom says, you know, open your eyes and look at me kind of thing. So. But, you know, there's also even like uh, I've seen people do like sensory deprivation scenes where it's like blindfold and noise canceling headphones. And it's just you're completely just at the mercy of like little just touches here and there or like like you said, slamming something on a a table where you can feel the vibration. Like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Yeah, so much, so much. And then we'll go into humiliation and objectification. And uh, humiliation, basically breaking someone down to the point of submission by taking, you're just basically taking their ego. You're just, you don't get an ego. And, and once again, let's just go ahead and stop right now and say, once you start going into somebody's mind, the amount of negotiation increases many times over. The necessity to understand what you're doing. If somebody is going to give you control over their mind, that means they're going to open things in their mind that might not be expected. 
outcomes that you might not know about or they may not even know about. So these are things you don't just go in and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, fuck with my mind and terrorize me and, you know, make me make me all scared and stuff without some sort of game plan for if it goes bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like we take precautions when we do a physical scene with, you know, whatever we're doing, impact play with and whatever and and the safety there, you need to have the safety there for the mental BDSM because you're possibly altering behaviors and altering personalities and you're planting condition responses and all of this can backfire and hurt your partner deeply. So, and it's just, you need to have nice long negotiations of, like you said, what is the plan? You know, people get triggered, uh, you know, accidentally. There's been times I've been triggered during a scene, just burst out hysterical crying. And my, the top's like, what the fuck did I do? I'm sorry. Just like stuff that comes up and it's just stop what you're doing and, and just, Go to aftercare immediately. Yes, yes, indeed. Now that we've given that safety tip, let's fuck with people's minds <laughs> some more. <laughs> I was going to do that somewhere at the end. I'm like, nah, let's just jump in there in case people are turning off. Like and subscribe. The ability to take somebody out of their ego and break them down. Uh, I mean, it can be absolutely therapeutic. I know for some people... And I know it's hard because a lot of people don't like humiliation. I don't like humiliation. I was humiliated my entire childhood. So I'm very sensitive when I humiliate someone else. And that's why I spend a lot of time negotiating that and talking through that because I myself know that 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 was a very triggery place for me uh, in my younger days. But that being said, being able to go into there can be so therapeutic because a lot of times we're so afraid of being humiliated that once we are humiliated and then if you can build somebody back up after that and understand that these are just words, I'm just saying words to you. These have no effect on you whatsoever. You are an amazing person with amazing strength, amazing character and brilliant fucking potential. If you can tear someone down and then build them up higher than they were before and show them that they have power over that to where they're not humiliated by that anymore. That is something I have seen. I have experienced is 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 like next level shit. I've seen even some amazing transformations of friends of mine who have dealt with childhood trauma, PTSD, and it's just the mental aspect of expertly negotiated with with the top, but just going through things in their past and things that trigger them and unlearning the triggering behavior and just breaking that person down to where you basically, a friend of mine once said that you take, when you get torn apart by something, you put back the best pieces to build the person back up. And it's just, you can be amazingly transformed and, and heal with mental BDSM in some ways. Surely. And once again, we'll give our little disclaimer. We're not therapists or blah, 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 you know, get real therapy. If you can find it, if you can find real therapy and quality therapists, absolutely deal with your shit there. But I get tired of people saying, don't ever, you know, we're not therapy. You know what? Fuck you. Life is therapy. Yes. You can fuck someone up. Act cautiously. Do your best to get the best information. 
But ultimately, a lot of things that we do are therapeutic. A lot of the things we do when we're attacking our ego and our self and we're changing our thoughts and opinions about ourselves and trying to work towards something that's a betterment of those things, that's a therapy. So don't be afraid of that. Just the caveat to that, don't do that with random strangers. Oh, yeah. You need to build a relationship first. Build your relationship first. Make sure that the people know what they're doing and know that they have a plan to bring you back, to build you up better. And it can actually be pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. And that that trust needs to build over a very long time. But it's when you can get to that point where you can either let go and let yourself be controlled or control somebody, it is an amazing feeling. I agree. I agree. Fuck everyone. I get so sick of people. Don't say it's therapeutic. Fuck you. (laughs) Beating my ass is therapeutic. (laughs) Yeah. Getting fingered in your ass is therapeutic. God damn. Everything's a therapy. If it makes you, if it makes you a better person, praise the Lord. Yeah. I mean, I have like 10 other things we could go through, but go to mental BDSM, the fat life group, start getting involved in those conversations. We'll do more. Obviously more because now I'm all back into this. Just all the research I was doing into this. This is literally, I mean, it, it wouldn't be kink without the mental aspects. It's literally just hitting a pillow. <laughs> oh, God, what an amazing show. <laughs> yes, it was. And <laughs> as Boogie coughs up along. <laughs> And that is the end of show 367. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or if you want to send us any uh, fucking advice, we'd love to try to help our listeners. Please reach out to us at pervertedpodcast at gmail.com or find us on FetLife, TikTok, or Instagram under the handle of Perverted Podcast. You can support us for free, yes, free, by hitting that like or subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to us on. It really does help us get seen. It helps your fellow kinksters find us. And if you'd like to do a little bit more to support us, Please consider donating five bucks if you give a fuck to our Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash perverted podcast. And as always, love and smushy kisses to all of our patrons around the world. Your support means the world to us. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Hang on. I've got to wipe my nose. I'm, I'm breaking up. Boogie's got a booger. No, it's <laughs> it's not. It's runny nose. That's, that's how I want to end this show, to just let you know, rain, sickness, or shine, I will be here to do this goddamn show as long as I, <laughs> as long as I can. Yes. But uh, what a great show. Thank you so much, Path Girl. This was the topics. And thank you so much to Mental BDSM for reigniting my love for Mental BDSM. Go to their FetLife page. Thank you to Enigma. Thank you to, yes. I just, yes. uh, just really fun show. Really good really good i felt very engaged and uh and i'm very excited to keep doing this so uh why don't you guys hit the like and subscribe and uh we'll see you next time Grandma's farm today, I just had to get away. City life was frying my brain and how. Grandma said, come up and play, take some time and smell the hay. Hell boy, we even learn you to milk a cow. Well, that seems to be a pleasant offer. Grandma, I shall accept. 
Well, the next morning at the crack of dawn, I heard a voice yell, Coffee's on! And it went downstairs, though my head was still not well. Grandma said, I'll feed the sows, but take this boy and milk that cow. And I looked in my hand, and there was a metal pail. Hmm, a strange primitive milking instrument. What do I do with it? Now I've pulled off tougher shows, so off to the big red barn I go. I found that cow and saddled up my stool. I guess my hands were a little cold, because when I grabbed that tip, that cow did go. Yodi, loady, 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 lay. Speed of light, and I held on for dear sweet life. My grandma laughed so hard it made her howl. I don't care if the ride was free, it wasn't a thrill for me to see a tour of a barn from the underside of a cow. the farm the very next day I'd had enough of the smell of hay at least in the city I don't look like a fool so that night I had a big red steak in honor of the cow that I made go yodi lodi 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 lay people actually worship these things they belong on a car seat so here's a song about a big old stupid cow yeehaw